Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. I have been looking forward to this episode today because it's one I've been meaning to do for an absolute while. And I can't believe it took until episode 107, 108, whatever this episode will be, whenever we release it. This episode is on maternity pay, how the system looks, how it works, and how you can get the most from it. And I have sat opposite me, the lovely Sarah Basking, who is here to explain every, anything and everything, maternity pay on the NHS, the ins, the outs, and everything that we should know, we should have easily made available to us, but we don't. Sarah, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, all good. Wonderful. Whereabouts in the world are you talking to us from, Sarah? So I'm talking from just outside Bath, so southwest. Bath, okay. In my, in my practice. Oh, look, very in, in my associate practice, yeah. So. Very beautiful. And top marks to Sarah because she's literally just finished extracting a tooth before she jumped on the airwaves with myself. So I think that she deserves extra plaudits for that because I'm sure it's been a long day in work as well. And you're still here to give us more. So thank you so much for that, Sarah. So yeah, Sarah, am I right in saying that you're an associate or a practice owner? A practice? I'm an associate. Ah, okay. I've been at this practice for about 12 years now. So, mm, And for those that don't know you, maybe it might be nice if we had a little bit of background. On... Um, well, uh, sorry. Um, right. So, um, yeah, so I qualified 2007 and did my FD year and I moved um, over this direction. And then I have since then been on two maternity leaves. And I just realised when I was on maternity, I actually didn't really know how much money I was going to get, how, how long I was going to get it for, how I could find out how I, how long much money I was going to get, and even where to search or who to ask. And it was one of those things where it's quite hard to ask your boss, what's the maternity pay going to be like? Because immediately they're like, oh, you're going on maternity leave. And you don't necessarily, if you're planning mortgage-wise, all that sort of thing, you actually don't want to say, oh, we might have a baby one day. What's, you know, what, what will the situation be? So when I went on my first maternity leave um, in fact when I came back from my second maternity leave I was noticing quite a few people putting up questions on the de- different Facebook groups about maternity pay and I was thinking surely people there must be someone that knows the answer to all this but nobody seemed to be knowing it um, so I set up a Facebook group called um, dental about dental bumps basically to try and put the information in one area so that if somebody asked a question on Facebook I could be like hey just look at this group I've put the information there and then kind of, I just thought maybe like 20 people might be interested. And then um, I think over time, we've got about probably around like 1700 people that have kind of been on there and kind of asking questions quite regularly. And quite a lot of the people there are, they still are on there kind of kind of guiding other people. So I just realized there was a bit of a gap in knowledge and where to find it. So it's just a place where I can pinpoint. So as a result of trying to find out it for myself, um, I worked out where to find it all out and then that's why I've got the group to kind of share the information with other people and hopefully so that they can answer questions before they have to be uh, completely lost. That's awesome. 
And, you know, this is a part of the reason this podcast as well, so that this information can be disseminated. Because I don't know, if is there anything like that on your group? Is there any sort of videos or audio files which describe these sorts of things? The reason that I ask is that you can have all the black and white T's and C's you want. They're not super accessible. What makes them way more tangible and useful is when you have a audio form. It's way more accessible and easy to listen to. I'm just wondering, is this sort of stuff out there already? Not that I know of. So basically, at the minute, there's like NHS ask us kind of pin. It basically, you can go around in circles asking questions on the NHS because it pinpoints you to then a form that doesn't open it. So there's not there's not <clears throat> that useful resources, and there's certainly not any like audio. Just listen to it, and it will sort the problem out. And um, you can end up going kind of going around the houses a little bit finding information. But <clears throat> I've posted up things like the links that people need to follow for like the forms and all the stuff like that but yeah there's no that I'm nothing that I know of in the kind of audible format well if my NHS pension podcast is anything to go by yeah 100% if that previous podcast is anything to go by the NHS pension one there's so many flipping downloads on that podcast people tend to message me quite a lot and say wow why did it take until flipping 2021 for that information to be accessible in that form and I feel reading between the lines or guessing getting a bit ahead of myself, that this podcast will be something similar. So let's go ahead and delve straight in. Maternity leave, can you just give us from a very high level what sort of support is available for those mums mums who will be on the NHS when they arrive close to their maternity pay? So, um, so on the NHS, in, this is in England and Wales, I think it's very similar. Um, you get maternity leave, which is from the NHS, which is based on your net pensionable earnings. And you also get maternity allowance, which is the Department of Work and Pensions sum, which is based on being self-employed, which is about £250 a month. Now, the NHS one you get for 26 weeks and the maternity allowance, which is the lesser amount, about £600 a month, is the one that you get for... 39 weeks about three about three months longer and that one is what you get if you're and you get that if you're NHS and you also get it if you're private as well so if you're private I think you would just get the maternity allowance from from the Department of Work and Pensions so you get your kind of just over 600 pounds a month but that is is tax-free it's not a lot but it's tax-free and the maternity pay you pay tax on the NHS maternity so that's equivalent to your earnings so you pay superannuation and um, tax on that earnings. Okay, so pretty straightforward on the face of it. Is that in any way means tested? Uh, so no, maternity allowance is just based on the fact you paid your NHS national ins- your sorry national insurance class two contributions, which as a self employed person you you will have. And then the NHS bit is based on you being an active as a performer on the NHS. But there's a few little um, kind of stipulations for that in order to be eligible. Right. Okay. So let's just jump straight in on those with the eligibility criteria. Is that something that you can tell us more about? Yeah. So to be eligible, you have to have been on the performer list for two years. And then it says that the last 26 weeks of this has to be continuous. So you can have been in and out of work, but the last 26 weeks must be continuous. But it's really strangely worded on the NHS um, requirements. And I'm going to read it out because I don't think it really makes proper sense so it says um 26 weeks continuous employment before the week they are due to give birth 
which makes sense so far. And then it says this period must precede the 15th week before they are due to give birth, which is two separate things. I don't think it makes any sense. But I think what they kind of mean is you give birth generally at 40 weeks. So if you take the time off that, it kind of means you just can't start that job pregnant. You can't just go to start to work. And then if you're pregnant at that point, having had a break, that wouldn't quite add up. So if you're already in your job, that would sort of add up. if You've got your 26 weeks plus 15 weeks. It's very weirdly worded. And I don't know why it's a strange I'm word, actually, essentially, I'm a, I you, might be one of the only ones, but I'm actually struggling to follow it that. It literally makes no sense. Like <laughs> even when I write it down, I'm like, basically you've got to not you've got to already be in a job for the nhs but for the last for your pregnancy basically and they're really picky about being it being continuous employment because i've got quite a few people who have messaged me and they've in their last kind of few months of work they've moved from one job on the friday to starting a new job on the monday and because that doesn't count as continuous because you have the weekend in between they've lost their maternity pay because their dates aren't continuous. So okay. it's really important to even change jobs like Tuesday and start the next one on a Wednesday or have a nice kind boss who can maybe make sure the dates work out for you. But you do not want to have a gap in that last, during your pregnancy, if you have a gap in your working at the, for the NHS on paper, on your, um, you know, on, on the different um, contracts, you can lose your maternity pay. Okay, so, so whilst really you don't important. fully understand that, that's one of the take-home messages, which is to not change jobs. You can move jobs and transition, so you could stay at one job, move to the next one, and then as long as your numbers and your dates cross over or are like Tuesday, Wednesday, but having a weekend gap is not okay wow. in that last. And because the way they've worded it is so wishy-washy, I think it's just safe to say be super careful if you're moving jobs in the last during your pregnancy. I'm going to read it out here because it's in front of me. Thanks for that. Yeah, I'm going to read it out here because it's right in front of me to see if, well, I'll read it all out and then we'll, we'll yeah. reserve our judgment, I suppose, until after I've said it. Because then what it means is we can give all of the information that we possibly can to anybody who's listening. So yes. 26 weeks, continuous employment before the week they are due to give birth. Okay, I get that. This period must precede the 15th week before they are due to give birth. There's where I get lost. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> anyway, there's more to it. Oh, no, wait, sorry. No, that, that's it, actually, my, my fault. So, yeah, if anybody can, you know what? If anybody can interpret what that means for us or if anybody can just break that down into understandable terms, I would be super interested to hear. <coughs> However, what Sarah has just kindly done is given us some take-home actionable advice there, which will mean that we don't contravene any rules that we may or may not understand. Yeah, I don't know if the NHS understands it, but they key the information into a computer and they've had people say, look, I'm like the NHS staff will be like, I'm really sorry, it won't let me process the claim. It just doesn't, it's not continuous. So it's really important. Okay, no problem. So that's how you avoid, so that's how we avoid contravening that that piece of text right there. It's just basically, if you can, have some crossover or avoid changing jobs at all while you're pregnant. Because even if we don't fully understand it, if we understand what it means, then that's yeah. possibly the most important. Yeah, absolutely. So anything else we must know on eligibility? Um, 
I mean, very obviously, but you have to have actually stopped work okay. to have to have the baby, and like that has to be, you know, yeah, you have to stop work. And if um, it does have a wording that's saying reach the eleventh week before the week they are due to give birth, which um, I think technically, ridiculously, if your baby was premature, you wouldn't be eligible. But I don't think they've ever enforced that because, again, I think they just word things really poorly for that. One that is important probably for your listeners is that you mustn't you can't be a limited company because a limited company can't get pregnant because it's a company. Mm. So um you can't be a limited company. But um again, you could probably look at that and work out a way of being on the performer list for that number of years and then not being a limited company for the right amount of time to be eligible. Mm. Something to NHS. think about. Yeah. And some people might be a, a person for their NHS activity. And then they might be for private work, a limited company and all that sort of. Thing. I'm sure there's some way that you could, you could wind yeah. it. But anyway, yeah. that's basically what. And you can't be an FD because if you're an FD, by definition, you haven't worked for two years. So your FD year is allowed to count as your two years employment or not employment because we're self-employed. Um, but um, that can count as one year. So you have to be at least a second year in. So technically you wouldn't be an FD because you're already working by that stage. Got you. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Anything else we should know on eligibility? I think that's the only things I know about eligibility-wise, just being super careful about the dates. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Okay, cool, brilliant. So let's go back, let's revert to what we were saying earlier because what you did very concisely and very usefully from a very high level is outline the NHS maternity pay and versus standard statutory, I suppose, maternity pay. Can you break down a little bit more of the ins and outs about the NHS maternity pay? Sure. How much we get, when do we get it, everything we need to know. So the NHS maternity pay is based on your net pensionable earnings. And the important thing is it's not based on historic earnings. It's based on the figure that is put on Compass for your current year. So like if I was going on maternity leave next week, the figure that would be on Compass for my projection for the year, for 22-23, would be the one that would be used. So it's really important to make sure the projection is right. Um, Normally, the projection is put on by your boss so that you get the right percentage taken off for your pension. So that if you're earning expected to be a certain amount, you get like your 12% off for your pension or your 9% or whatever it is for the pension. Um, The problem with this often is that your boss knows already that you're going off on on maternity leave um, in December. So thinks, right, well, your target's this much. So you're going to earn April, May, June, July, August, September, October. And then thinks, right, well, if you're only in work for eight twelfths of the year, I'm going to put eight twelfths of the contract onto your estimated earnings. But actually what they need to do is put what you would get for the whole year um, as your estimate, because that's what your maternity pay is based on. And that is, again, a massive problem because it can be corrected quite easily but because all too often people don't know what they should be getting in the first place, they don't know the figure. The boss puts down the figure that's on that they've already put on um, Compass, and it's not necessarily the right figure because the boss has already done their allocations of all the payments and who's going to get what percentage of the overall kind of pensionable accumulation of the whole contract. Um, so that's a really tricky one because often people will have the wrong value. And then instead of getting their full maternity pay, they'll get like eight twelfths of it and they won't even necessarily know because they don't you don't know that the figure's wrong until and you need to double check it. And um, so that's super important to make sure it's your annual earnings as though you're not on maternity leave. 
which is basically for the MPE is your NHS pay, you know, how whatever your target is, times your UDA rate, and then taking off your lab bill. So it's, you know, it's the normal. And there's different ways of calculating it, but that should give you an idea of what it should be. That figure, the NHS gets, and that's how they sort out your pension, but it's how they sort out your maternity. So it's super important. But the figure that you have on um, Compass, if you want to know how much you'll get, you're basically, if you've got the yearly figure, you get maternity pay for 26 weeks. So you get it for half a year. So if your figure up there, whatever that says, you get half of that amount and you get it paid over um, 26 weeks. So you can see quite easily what your amount's going to be. But they, the figure on Compass gets divided by 52 to give you a weekly amount and then it's paid in chunks. So it, you'll get like roughly four weeks at a time and it will be paid in the same way that your boss would pay you your normal UDA. So it'll be the same time that you'd get that. But you can see the reports on um, Compass to see how much you're getting. Um, but you, you you can ask the NHS what your weekly figure is going to be and that will tell you what your overall figure is going to be. But that's the 26 weeks of the um, maternity pay. Right. And just purely out of curiosity, does that come from your dental practice in which you're employed? Nope. So there's no reason for bosses to be reluctant about getting the figure right. It doesn't come from them. It comes from the NHS. The boss still gets the normal amount of money to pay the rest of, you know, your locum or whoever's there. Gets exactly the same contract, everything normal, which is why it's a bit ridiculous that people are really having to fight to get the right value because all the boss has to do is put the correct figure on, get the maternity processed, and then make sure the figures are correct for the remaining members of staff. So reallocate the UDAs um, to whoever's doing the UDAs. But yeah, it doesn't it comes from the NHS. So the boss will get the normal NHS contract value and then they'll get the maternity payment as well, which they're meant to pass straight on to the person and they're not meant to hold it back as a, you might not come back or, you know, they're not meant to do any tinkering around with it. They're meant to pass it on to the associate or former who's ever on maternity leave. Do you feel, and this might be a hard question to answer, do you feel that maybe... That could it could be the case that potentially people are not always as forthcoming as they should be with that because they think it comes out of their own pocket, or is it hard to I, say? I don't know. I think lots of bosses find the whole MPE thing completely confusing anyway. So I almost think once they've bothered getting their head around what everyone's going to be getting over the next however long, what percentage everyone's going to be in, I almost think they're just like, uh, you know, there's not any easy guidance. Like I tried to get a printout to be like, how do you demonstrate that they should put it up for the whole year, not just the time you're working? Um, but it's they're not very forthcoming with it. They'll send like one email with some information on, but they, I was like, can I have something printed that could actually be published? I can't get anything, any information like that from the powers that be. So, um, yeah, but it doesn't come out of the bosses. I just think bosses are, are kind of confused by it because all of pension stuff is quite hard to figure out. But it also, with the MPE thing, it's really important that everybody makes sure that their pensionable earnings are correct because it's not only if you're going on maternity leave, like if anybody went on long-term sick leave, they would get, it would be based on their MPE figure, MPE figure what they would get on sick leave. Mm-hmm. So they would get sick leave for 26 weeks on the NHS, but you wouldn't get it for the first four weeks. So, and same for paternity leave. So actually loads of people need to make sure their figures are correct because mostly people just don't really think about it because you know there's nothing to think about in life but that actually really important because if you are on sick pay and you've got the wrong figure down on your compass you'll end up getting paid hardly anything for your sick pay and that's the same for um men and women Hmm. 
Why do you think there would be a mismatch between the figures that they have, let's say, on exact and their practice and compass? Are they not the same? Well, it's not about what you're actually earning. It's about what your target is for the year. So your boss has to come up with who's going to get what, you know, he'll be like, that person's target is that, that person's target is that, that person's target is that. The reason there's often a mismatch is that they already know. Like in my case, my figure was wrong because I was going away in August. So when my boss put the information up in July, he was like, well, you're only going to earn for like, four months of the year so he put a really small figure up or like three you know three quarters smaller than it should have been because he was like well you're off on maternity and I was like yeah but it needs to pretend I'm there the whole year to get the right figure because your annual figure your annual income is what your all that's what the projection is based on Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. Really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Right, with you now. Okay, so it, it, it comes from maybe not fully understand. You know, yes. somewhere, somewhere, somewhere along the line, some, somewhere, someone along the line slightly misunderstands what this yeah and it's not easy to when it's not easy to argue it because it's really hard to find the information to say oh like I've literally got a screenshot of an email that somebody sent me at NHS that I send on to other people to be like show this to your boss this is the NHS lady saying this is what you do but you can't go to like there's a really big document the statement of financial entitlements which has got loads of the blurb about maternity and paternity and long-term sick and and it's just not really clear it doesn't say on there. It just says based on your monthly earnings, but it doesn't say where they get the figure for the monthly earnings, I'm which really is the NPE, but they don't say that. So, Well, I'm really glad we made this podcast. That's yeah. actually another whole other dimension as to why this is valuable. Yeah. Then. I think yeah. it predates Compass. So because it predates Compass, it's not been updated. You know, nobody knows. Good stuff. That is absolute flipping gold dust. And you know what? Actually, this, is, this podcast is just as important for principles as it is associates but it's on yeah oh yeah absolutely wonderful 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 you touched upon this already i wanted to know the ins and outs of taxation i think i believe you said that it's not no no no. it is taxed right income tax yeah so you're um yeah and this is the nhs pension just to be nhs money nhs maternity is taxed it's like it's an income you pay pay tax on it um and the maternity allowance is now there's a quirk about the maternity so you get your NHS pay, which is taxed. Mm-hmm. And that's for 26 weeks. You get your maternity allowance, but actually you don't really get your maternity allowance for the first 26 weeks because it's subtracted from your NHS pay. So you'd, as an NHS person, I would get my NHS pay less each month, £600 maternity allowance. So I'd have it deducted. So my maternity allowance I get, but I also get it taken off my maternity pay. So it doesn't sound like I really get any benefit from having maternity allowance, but having it taken off my NHS pay. But it does mean that you get your maternity allowance, which is tax-free. So you, the only benefit you get 
is that 600 pounds of the money that you get is tax-free. Um, so you get less NHS pay, but therefore you get less tax. Um, and then you get the tax free. And then the maternity allowance carries on a bit longer. So maternity NHS is taxed, and then the maternity allowance is a separate thing, and that's tax-free. And um, you have to apply for both of them, because if you don't apply for both of them, the NHS just assume that you have, and then they take off £600 a month anyway. So you just have to, but you should, but you would be eligible for it. So um, you would apply for it because that would be the, you know, it would be stupid. Um, so yeah, there is a little issue with the maternity allowance, which is the one hundred and fifty-six pounds a month a week sum. Um, the issue with that is that when you apply for it, it's based on you being up to date with your class two national insurance contributions, which we always pay in the. January and July tax return. So by definition, most of the time you're not up to date with them. So a lot of the time you will get, you'll apply for your maternity allowance and then you'll get a letter back saying you haven't paid all your contributions. So you're only going to get £27 a week for your maternity allowance, which I don't even understand how anyone in the world could live or even pretend to live on £27 a week. I mean, I don't know how they come up with that figure. But they basically, so then they'll say, you need to top up your, your class two contributions and then it will be sorted out. So now that is generally sorted out automatically, but you'll first get a letter to say, you're only going to get £27 a week. And then you'll get a little a bill from the um, HMRC to top up your class two contributions. So it's just paying a bit of your tax return early. And it's like 40, 50 quid. It's not very much. It's not. It's only your class two contributions. And then that will get topped up to your £156 a week. But every time everyone gets this letter, they're always surprised because it's a stupid quirk because self-employed people are never up to date with their class two contributions because they don't do their tax return until afterwards. But um, it, is, it does get sorted out. Sometimes you have to be on the phone to um, uh, Department of Work and Pensions. I was on the phone to them for like two hours, but um, it was sorted out. And I have a feeling uh, that it's sorted out a lot more quickly these days. But I did do a survey on my Facebook page about it and 85% of the people said they had that problem. So it's really common. Right, got you. And ridiculous, but common. Definitely a quirk of the system, 100%. However, that little gem that you just gave right there is the remedy to fix it, which is awesome. Yeah, so this is all sorted, but it's just a headache. And that's why it's quite good to apply for the maternity leave, maternity allowance as soon as you can, because then you can deal with it before you've got a screaming child. okay awesome top advice right cool so anything else that you think might be relevant or in terms of what we've just discussed anything else that you'd like to bring up regarding so just in terms of maternity pay a lot of people don't realize that once you've had your maternity leave you don't like you've earned your uh, maternity leave by working for the nhs over the last couple of years there's no question that you have to pay it back so some people are like, oh, don't you have to go back? And, you know, people say, oh, you have to go back and do one UDA or you have to, you don't have to go back to work in England and Wales after you have done your maternity. So you can move jobs, you can do anything, but there's no stipulation to come back to the practice. Mm-hmm. There's no requirement. Obviously, apart from if, you, if you've said to them whilst you're taking however long off, you need to give the notice periods. You know, you can't just disappear and not come back. But there's no obligation because some people are really worried about perhaps deciding that they're not going to be working you know, wanting a different job and then they can't, they're thinking, oh, do I have to pay back my maternity pay? But there's no taking back in maternity pay. So once you're 
once you've done your maternity leave, the boss can't withhold it or anything like that. Um, I always suggest it's quite sensible if you are going to leave your job to have your six months of pay and then give you notice after that, because there's been a few cases where bosses have just been like, well, I'm not going to give you your last maternity leave then. And kind of just being a bit like, well, you're leaving, so I'm going to stop, take your name off the contract. And if you're still not on the contract, you're not going to get maternity pay. So I always think if your boss is not always kind of playing ball nicely with things, I just think actually give you, if you, you know, you could give your notice after six months of money, say give you three months notice then, um, if you've said that you're going to come back at like nine months or a year or something. Obviously, it's nice to give them as much notice as possible, but if you are feeling that your boss is more likely to try and keep hold of your money, which they do sometimes, then you'll have to kind of make a judgment call on that. Okay. Yeah. Food for thought. Food for thought. 100%. Anything else to round that off? Anything, any pertinent issues you can think of? Um, well, I could say, what about, about after having a baby? There's a couple of like things that we might not be, or people might not be aware of, like um, things like um, once you've, once you've had your baby, you can get tax-free childcare. So that's something that you, not everybody would know about. And that's used to be on like vouchers and things like that, which obviously when we were self-employed, you wouldn't get. But um, as long as neither parent is on more than 100,000 or expects to be, mm-hmm. you can get the tax-free childcare from the government, which means that you pay money in. And for every £2,000 that you pay in, I think it's per quarter, you get the government tops up £500. Okay. So that's really good. And you can do that, you can do that throughout the year. Um, because once you get to nurseries and stuff, you're paying out like however much every month on that. But the fact that it's kind of 20% less than than it might be is a nice little bonus for that. And then you can pay that, pay into for that if you're if you've got your first baby. As soon as you go back to work, you can start paying into that account. Even if they're not in childcare, actually, even if they're being looked after by grandparents, you can build up a steady account so that when they are in other forms of childcare, um, then you can use that money to pay for their childcare. And you can use it for like when they're at school, for like after school clubs, you can literally use it for anything, wraparound care at school. So it's a really sensible thing. But I think at the moment, loads of people don't use it who are eligible for that. So that's a really good thing as long as you're both um, earning under £100,000. And then um, when they're born, if neither parent are earning over £60,000, then you'll be eligible for child benefit, which um, you can just, I don't know how much that is a week, but kind of that builds up. But the important thing with that is there's some suggestion that it's sensible to apply for that, even if you're not going to take the money, because it's something to do with the child getting their national insurance number further down the line. So that's the sort of thing to kind of look on like money saving expert and see whether that's a sensible thing even if your earnings are over £60,000 for the parents because um, if they're less than that you can build up a little pot of money at the side but um, it's not a great deal but I think it's about maybe £1,000 a year per child so it's you know better than not having it. Good to know, good to know. It's not like the children become a good earning potential for quite a few years so it's um, potentially a good option there but yeah that's um, obviously that's another option as well but yeah that's all the uh, all the quirks of maternity top stuff I can tell you've done your research on this 100%. That's, you know what? That's going to be so valuable because there's tons of things that were in there that were literally, you know, the whole point of this podcast is that you can listen to an episode and you can make more money. And within within what we've just talked about just then, there's about 10 different things that any expecting family can mm-hmm. go ahead and use and implement. And I think that's absolutely awesome. What, where did you get all this knowledge from? Is this just through uh, first-hand experience, Sarah? 
yeah, I think I just was kind of trying to figure it out myself. And then I kind of was like, why is this information not clear? And then once I was trying to tell other people about it, I was like, right, I kind of actually better check what the rules are on this because, you know, I can't be like, oh, yeah, this is what I heard. But it might not even be true because that's the least useful kind of Facebook help when someone tells you something wrong. So I just kind of looked at the documents on it and then I emailed the NHS people quite a lot, but they don't really, I think they, um, they don't really reply to me very much anymore. So I think they fell off with the questions. They're always like, it doesn't look like you're on maternity leave at the moment. Can you tell me what your due date is? And I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm just asking generally. <laughs> so um, they're not quite so um, keen on replying because I'm going to like pin them or ask them specifics rather than the wishy-washy reply. But um, yeah, I just wanted to find out a bit more and kind of help, help people along because it's quite confusing and quite hard to figure out. Even when I explained it how here, I think, this really does not make any sense. But at least it hopefully makes a bit more sense to someone. Well, well this is it, you know, and this is like, <laughs> like when we make a podcast like this, it's important to remember that neither of us are experts per se, but yeah. if zero is not knowing anything about it. And 100 is knowing absolutely everything there is to know about it. If we can even get someone to 50, then that's a 50% positive gain. And that's how yeah. I look at things. That's why I look at a podcast like this. So absolutely sure. want to caveat everything with the fact that, yes, there's a lot of concrete stuff in there that you can go ahead and use. Even if you just use this, this as a reference podcast and some places to look and some things to guide the rudder on the ship during your yeah, voyage, sure. during your journey, then that's the purpose. And that's why I love stuff like this. And that's actually flipping dentists who invest in a nutshell really mm -hmm. so thank you yeah. anything else you can think of any other gems um no i mean i guess like if they're looking for information then obviously via like the facebook the dental bumps maternity page is, is there's lots of pinned posts on that which have kind of got the forms and the nhs things to help people out um, I feel quite bad because it's not it's very england england slash wales centric because I can barely get my head around England and Wales, let alone Scotland. But there are separate groups of Scotland. Northern Ireland has its own rules. Um, so it's, yeah, it's complicated. But yeah, I guess point them in the direction of the Dental Bumps Facebook group because there are, is lots of helpful information on that. 100%. And just for total clarity, I've got the name right here. Dental Bumps Maternity Information and Support. That is the yeah. name facebook group i mean i just thought only like 20 people were going to join it so i didn't really think about giving it a catchy name when i set it up and then i was like oh, okay well I'll just i know i could change it but i haven't I haven't done that so. listen listen sarah you're talking to someone who can totally empathize because i started a facebook group as well which is the point of this podcast and exactly the same thing happened so i get it i actually changed the name recently because it basically where the group progressed to diverged away from what i'd originally planned so just letting you know there is a name change function on facebook groups might be worth looking at sarah you've been super generous with your time today i feel like keeping this podcast powerful punchy and concise actually will lend itself to being more accessible so if you are totally happy with everything that we said if you feel like now is a nice time to round it all off then we can do just that yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think that's everything I can think of. Yeah. Smashing. Sarah, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. We'll catch up really, really soon. See you later. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. 
Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.